Hello and welcome back to the Carson Daily Show. It's Carson Daily. She's hot and crazy. Carson Daly, she's funny and lazy. Mm. Never mind, just testing the waters there. Um, I feel like I need a catchy jingle for this shit. Uh, Maybe Woody can get to work on one. Anyways, I'm Carson Daly, and this is my show. And let me say, it was a good week to be a podcaster who reports on crypto and celebrity culture. There were more A-listers in my crypto news alerts than I've ever seen before. Sadly, it was only because the Grammys were hosted at the Crypto.com Arena. No worries, though. I've been online all week, consuming content ready to puke back up in this 10-minute weekly update. Today, we're talking crypto cuts from the Super Bowl, Midwestern crypto miners, and rehab for degenerates. This episode is so full circle, you'll see exactly what I mean. Happy Super Bowl week to those who celebrate. The Philadelphia Eagles will take on the Kansas City Chiefs at a Rihanna concert in Glendale, Arizona this weekend. For one sacred day, the nation will embrace the otherwise frowned upon practice of spending the entire day in front of the television, eating greasy food, drinking cheap beer, and gambling on sports the way Michael Jordan intended. This year's Super Bowl is LVII, whatever the fuck that number means. And it's quite appropriate that the Super Bowl uses ancient Roman numerals because it's also regressing in terms of ad content. This 57-year-old American tradition is one of the most expensive days of the year in television. Advertisers in 2022 paid roughly $233,000 per second to entertain the more than 99 million viewers in the United States in between plays. Sure, some of those people probably watched the game too, but let's face it, even the players' moms must have been tuning in for the ads. Last year's Super Bowl was an exceptionally bullish time for DeFi enthusiasts, as many news outlets claimed crypto advertisements won the Super Bowl. Oh, the times, how they have changed. CNN, among many others, have already reported that Team Crypto will sit the bench during Super Bowl 57, which means we get to bask in the delicious irony that Larry David was right about never being wrong when it comes to this stuff. FTX was trash in the end, proving once again, you just don't bet against Uncle Larry David. And I'm never wrong about this stuff. Never. Of the four crypto or crypto-affiliated companies that advertised in the Super Bowl last year, one has collapsed completely while the others fight for their life to keep their head above water. It's like that scene in the Titanic where Jack and Rose cling to the door in the middle of the ocean. In this case, Rose is the funding, Jack is the staff, and the door he clings to is literally the door they've all been pushed out of. Some are comparing this crypto ad cooldown moment to the dot-com coming out party of the year 2000. During Super Bowl 34, 14 different dot-com companies spent an average of $2.2 million per spot to market to American viewers. What makes the comparison between the dot-com Super Bowl and last year's crypto Super Bowl so salacious is that of the 14 companies, only three are still active today. Some of the companies that advertised in 2000 crumbled even before the year's end. Like I was saying, it's FTX. It's a safe and easy way to get into crypto. Only Autotrader, Monster.com, and WebMD made it out of the dot-com bubble alive. 
I guess I'll also give an honorable mention to pets.com, which never actually turned a profit other than probably the couple hundred bucks they made by selling the domain to PetSmart, where it redirects to this day. So after all that hype in 2000, only one dot-com company decided to advertise the following year at the 2001 Super Bowl. That company was E-Trade, ironically enough. And guess what? That E-Trade ad literally danced all over the graves of the dot-coms that didn't make it. No, seriously, if you don't believe me, look it up. It's fucking savage. By the way, I asked one of the other dot-com bubble survivors, WebMD, to diagnose what could possibly have caused both collapses. And unsurprisingly, it said that the internet and crypto are both terminally ill and probably already dead. Next up is Nebraska, nicknamed the Cornhusker State. This Midwest region may be a little less home on the range and a little more hackers than you'd think. The town of Kearney, with a population of 33,790 people, is home to many farms, including a rather sizable cryptocurrency mining farm. On an 11-acre plot sits dozens of shipping container-looking hubs filled with computers that race to verify crypto transactions and produce the digital currencies. So what's Nebraska got that the other states don't? Power. Lots of it. And for cheap. Nebraska is the only state served entirely by a publicly owned power grid. So without corporate greed, Nebraskans end up paying one of the lowest rates for electricity in the nation. Any revenue generated is reinvested in the area's infrastructure to keep maintaining and improving on the utility. So Nebraska has power and crypto needs power to create capital. To me, a crypto evangelist, all I see is a match made in heaven. But the truth is, is that crypto is polarizing. And despite the availability of land and power, crypto as an industry is already struggling to create and sustain job opportunities. And a mining farm, unlike a corn farm, is relatively self-operable. In crypto, computers compute. Between this and self-driving tractors, which yes, are a thing, look it up, it's no surprise that Nebraskans are feeling a little bit rattled. Even though an increase in the workload for the grids would mean an increase in revenue for the Kearney General Fund, many residents in the town find it unsettling that the out-of-state companies want to leverage their electrical system for their own profit. I personally don't know why Kearney residents haven't explored the idea of minting their own cryptocurrency yet. They could use that to charge something like a people's tax to the verifiers using the town's grid. Of course, they'd have to call it corn coin, and it's really hard to say corn coin, but people might be really bullish on corn coin. Say corn coin again, corn coin. Say it three times fast. Corn coin, corn coin, corn coin, coin. Woo. Anyways, I am taking credit for that idea if it comes to life, no matter what you call it. In conclusion, mining companies are going to need to get creative if they want to convince residents. Here's a couple ideas for free. Maybe they could send somebody dressed up as an old-timey prospector to proclaim, there's ease in them there, there hills. There's ease in them there hills. Or they could get someone to ghostwrite a few novels about a beautiful farmer's daughter falling in love with a rack-mounted server who works at the farm next door. I can even picture a lovely lifetime holiday movie about a DeFi guy who rediscovers the meaning of Christmas by keeping the townsfolk warm by the heat of his GPUs. All you have to do, people, is sell the vision. Speaking of getting creative to stay in business, a Spanish rehab center added crypto trading addiction to its services list. 
The center, called The Balance, is a Switzerland-founded wellness center with its main facility located on the Spanish island of Mallorca with branches in London and Zurich. The treatment is described as a four-week stay that involves therapy, massages, and yoga. The bill can be upwards of $75,000. And if they don't have a fucking option to pay an ETH or at least provide a fiat exchange service, they are really missing their mark. I'm not entirely sure that calling a rehab center for people obsessed with their crypto portfolio the balance is such a good idea unless, of course, their plan is radical exposure therapy. Another alternative still in medical trials is, of course, touching grass. Okay, there you have it. That's a full circle moment, baby. Just like I promised from crypto being DOA for the Super Bowl to mining for more in the Midwest and seeking treatment in Mallorca, there's truly something for everyone when it comes to crypto culture news and updates. So let's do NFA, not financial advice back again. This is my last week of Valentine's and thank you to everyone who participated. My first Valentine comes from Miles, aka Miles High Club, and it goes out to Kid 8. When asked, what do you like about them so much, Miles said, all of the above. Well, Miles, gonna have to get off at the next stop because that seat's taken. We have an anonymous submission to a savvy little spice girl by the name of LDF. Not much to say about this Valentine because your secret admirer wants me to let you know that we all know what it is we like about you so much. This next Valentine goes out to Nicole Benham from Victor Gerardio. And Victor's message to Nicole is, how would he get a hold of someone who has such a strong social following so that he can acknowledge and appreciate your passion for sharing and seeing solutions? Well, that was really beautiful. I hope he gets in touch with her. Personally, I think Nicole's kind of a twat, but hey, it takes all kinds, baby. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Carson Daly. All the bad shit you heard about me is true, and I'm even worse in person. I have some undeniable character flaws, but I still think I've got some goodness to offer the world. So please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carson Daly and follow the show's dedicated page on Instagram at Carson Daly Show. Follow this channel wherever you listen to podcasts and rate me five stars if you liked it and fuck off if you didn't. I know you'll be back. See you next Tuesday. Bye. The Carson Daily Show is a Decential production written by me and my comedic better half, James Carr, with music by Whitney.